0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the channel. Today I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Fubo TV, ticker F-U-B-O, which is a really hot, decisive, and polarizing stock these days. And it's a live television streaming platform that competes with the likes of YouTube TV, Hulu Live TV, AT&T TV, Sling TV, and others, and really betting its future on streaming sports. And as you see here, the stock price doesn't actually know what's going on either with all the aggressive bulls and bears fighting each other. The stock rose from about 15 bucks a share in November to almost 30 bucks a share in December, and just pumped really aggressively up to 60 bucks a share before the stock lost momentum and a bunch of short sellers came out and pushed the stock price down to the low 20s from which it's recovered quite a bit since to about 35 bucks a share as of today. And this one's been all over social media. It's been on TikTok, on Twitter. I've seen this one a lot. And it's a really good example of bulls versus bears and also a really great example of highly trained professionals disagreeing with each other. On the bullish side, so the side that thinks that the company's gonna be really successful and the stock's gonna do really well is Beth Kindig. And Beth is a technology analyst. She makes a lot of content about technology stocks, not unlike me, and where she's She's clearly the most experienced in is thinking, researching, and writing about technology companies and technology industries, especially given her journalistic exposure in Forbes MarketWatch and others. And when I look at her background, she definitely seems to lean much more thinking about market share, much more early stage types of companies. But where she also might be lacking in the public markets is deep experience in valuation, value investing, complicated capital structures, and stuff like that. On the bearish side, so this is the side that thinks that the company's overhyped and the stock is overvalued and that the stock price will go down is Kerastale Capital. Kerastale Capital is a much more traditional Wall Street hedge fund focused on value and value-based investments. And their founder, chief investment officer, and basically the brain behind their operation is Sam Andrangi, whose background is much more straight down the fairway Wall Street and looks much more like mine, right? As you can see here, we're both alumni of Deutsche Bank's investment banking division. He's a Yale graduate, started his career in the exact same investment banking group that I did, Deutsche Bank Lev Finn, which means he sat on the second floor of 60 Wall Street just seven years before I did. And then he spent a couple years as an analyst at some hedge funds before founding his own hedge fund. Anyway, that's enough reminiscing. So what's going to happen to Fubo stock? In this video, we're going to go through Sam's bear case. We're going to go through Beth's bull case and response. And then we're going to go through what I think. But before we dive into it, if you're new here and want to maximize your investing returns by learning and staying up to date with research and analysis from a real former Wall Street investment banker and hedge fund analyst, then don't forget to subscribe to the channel and like the video. And if you want to go even deeper with more premium research and features and content, and also want to see our favorite stocks and investments, which is a real-time paper portfolio that I manage for the community so people can follow along with their own portfolios, that's up 59% for the past five months since inception, all while being much more conservative than many of the growth-only portfolios out there, then consider joining our ROA community and supporting the content, link below. Okay, let's jump into Fubo. So let's start with Carestale Capital's December short report, where they did a lot of research and published it publicly and then announced that they were short the stock. So first off, we see this chart. Carestale's data is showing that app downloads have collapsed in late Q4 of 2020. Carestale's proprietary data source shows that they had a steep drop off in app downloads in December right here, which emphasizes Fubo's TV's reliance on live sports and the fact that it has no contracts. They also believe that Q3 2020 was abnormally good for sports because as a reminder, Fubo TV is a streaming service that you can stream live TV on all your devices and they really focus on the sports channels. And they point to the fact that the pandemic really delayed sports throughout the year, so that's why you saw this slowdown, but you had the start of the NFL, the MLB, and college football seasons around this time, and the NHL Stanley Cup and the NBA playoffs around this time as well. Caresdale points to this data and basically says that the normalized growth of the business has not inflected to a higher level. It's basically stayed the same through the pandemic. Carisdale also looked at the corporate and capital events of the company and thinks that there's red flags everywhere in terms of corporate governance and what they're doing. Just a little bit of history, Fubo basically merged into a company called Facebank, which was already publicly traded in order to go public. They didn't go through the typical public IPO process. Carisdale points to kind of a litany of actions to fund their deep losses that they've been running, such as raising preferred stock, Merging with FaceBank and then selling FaceBank's assets back to its former owner. Fubo's also taken a PPP loan and has aggressively sold common stock and warrants in order to raise money to fund the losses they're running. So, very clearly, Fubo spends a lot more money than they make and they're trying to fund these losses. CareStill also believes that they're going to be aggressively selling equity and diluting shareholders, which will put pressure on the stock because their lockup expired on January 7th. CareStill also believes that Fubo TV's core subscription business is unprofitable at its core. And that they will not grow advertising revenues. Right now, Fubo TV's business model is trying to convince people to use their service because they want to watch live TV and sports and charging $65.80 and 25 bucks a month for the service. On top of that, they serve their subscribers ads and make money that way, kind of like how Hulu and YouTube do it too. Cairstale dug through their financials and saw that they don't really make money on the subscription business. They spend more on content than they actually make from the subscription revenues that subscribers pay. Therefore, they point to Fubo having negative gross margins and that their content costs are highly variable and don't scale as more subscribers join the platform. They're basically saying that I don't care whether Fubo has as 10 times the amount of subscribers, the subscription revenue will never cover the content costs. And the way that this business works is that Fubo doesn't actually own the content. They have to buy this content on a variable basis from media conglomerates that have the sports rights. So Kerstail's point is that they really can't offer materially different packages from competitors like YouTube TV or Hulu. So if Fubo can't ever raise prices enough compared to YouTube TV or Hulu TV to really have pricing power and make money off of the subscription business, that means the only way for FUBO TV to become profitable is to sell a lot of advertising to their subscribers at higher rates or launch a very profitable sports book, sports betting business. From CarSdale's deep on-the-ground research, they really found that FUBO TV is undifferentiated in the eyes of advertisers to the other competitors and won't be able to see any advertising advantages over the other players. Caristale also doesn't believe that Fubo TV will ever run a sports book. Uh, Fubo's deal with FanDuel was terminated for unknown reasons after only a year. Uh, they think that the acquisition of Balto Sports was more of a PR stunt. Balto only has three employees and a failed test product. Caresteel thinks that in order to develop in-house sports betting capabilities, Fubo needs to raise a bunch of money and spend hundreds of millions of dollars to build that software platform. And finally, they don't think that the total addressable market or the opportunity size for sports betting is really that big, and you can pause the video here and see their assumptions that they don't think that they're going to find that much revenue from just attaching sports betting to their existing subscribers. Finally, Carisdale thinks that the valuation for Fubo TV is absurd. They believe that Fubo TV will keep growing, and they assume that they'll grow from half a million subscribers to possibly 1.5 million subscribers by 2025. And Kearsley does assume that they do increase ad revenue to $11 per subscriber, and then they assign a valuation on those assumptions. So they basically say that if those assumptions are true, that company would have about 175 million in EBITDA or cash flow in year. 2025, which that company discounted back today at a 10X multiple, then that means that the fair value for Fubo stock today, if those assumptions are right, so they're giving them credit for advertising revenue increases, is $10 a share. Okay, so that was the bear case. Convincing? Are you convinced? Are you going to short the stock? Well, let's wait one second. Let's look at Beth Kindeg's case. Beth clearly feels very strongly about Fubo. I mean, she pins tweets about Fubo to her profile and she's written articles in Forbes about it. So let's look at what she has to say. She basically said that Q3 subscriber growth looks really strong and she has no data to prove that Q4 had a drop off. Beth points to the fact that subscription revenues were up 64% and advertising revenues were up 153%, which basically implies that they are succeeding at increasing ad revenues. Beth also pulled some data from Aptopia and said that she sees no weakness in the Q4 app download data. Beth also believes that app downloads should recover at the start of the basketball and hockey seasons. With the benefit of a couple of weeks since she wrote this, we do know that subscribers actually grew 72% to 545,000 in Q4. Now we don't really know who's right here because they could have grown subscribers by over 70% year over year, Q4 over Q4, um, but still have seen an app download decrease. Beth's second point is that she thinks that live sports is really the holy grail of live TV streaming and that the holdouts of people that haven't given up traditional cable television are the ones that really love sports and they haven't given it up yet because they really want to watch live sports. That's the reason why she thinks that they have pricing power and can price at 65 bucks a month, which is three times more than Netflix. Beth admits that Fubo is unprofitable now, but has laid out a path to monetization and are seeing good trends in terms of increasing gross margins. She points to the fact that adjusted contribution margins for Q3 was actually positive 16%. And she points to the fact that Fubo thinks that profitability will increase over time by increasing advertising revenue, add-on services like DVR and multiple device streaming. And Beth isn't really concerned about margins right now and is more interested on how Fubo has competed with the larger multi-channel video programming distributors. So YouTube TV, at t TV, Hulu TV, et cetera. A lot of Beth's bull case really relies on them rolling out sports betting. And the vision here is that you have a lot of really big sports fans that are streaming live sports. And if you can integrate sports betting into the television experience, then that should be really profitable. Fubo has stated that they will first go into free to play fantasy games and then move into sports betting. And sell side analysts actually believe that sports betting could come as soon as fiscal year 2021. Now, as of this week, we actually got news that Fubo is in an agreement to buy a company called Victory, which is a kind of sports betting technology company. So as of today, it does look like Beth is a little bit more right here that they're going all in on developing their own sports betting app and that they are making great steps towards making their own sports betting app. But I will say I've seen some tweets today that says that Victory is still a really small company with like only eight employees and it's only a year old. So is this again, just another PR stunt? What it comes down to is that Beth believes that Fubo TV has some similarities to Roku, which is something she covered and called as a bull very early on and was extremely right about Roku's rise. And that Fubo has really strong growth going forward and the fundamentals and profitability will come later as they have more add-on revenue streams, such as advertising, DVR, multiple device streaming, and most importantly, sports betting. And just to drive the point home, how important sports betting is to the bull thesis and Beth Kindig's thesis is that Knox Ridley, which is one of her analysts, I think her only one, tweeted that here's all that matters with Fubo. Can they pull off sports betting? Everything else being discussed is noise. Okay, so what do I think? Do I agree with Kindig, who is a fellow content creator and technology nut, or do I agree with Sam Andrangi, who is a fellow Wall Streeter and fellow Deutsche Bank Leverage Finance alum? In my opinion, Fubo TV is unfortunately undifferentiated from its competitors and has no proprietary content. We really dissected the streaming industry at Sense, and you can read my post if you're a Rolex member at a couple And the future of streaming really relies on content. Owning the content is super important and content is king. Fubo has neither the proprietary content nor the resources to produce proprietary content. It merely buys live television content from companies like Fox, CBS, NBC, and others, and then distributes it through its own app. Without owning compelling proprietary content, Fubo is mostly gonna have the same channels and will never really have pricing power compared to its competitors like YouTube TV, Hulu, Sling TV, and AT&T TV. And if you're still unsure about how insignificant Fubo is and how tenuous this position is, just remember that Turner Networks and all their associated channels left Fubo last year. And Turner Networks is owned by AT&T, ticker T, which has a horse in the game in the form of at and TV. And if you're curious, some of these channels are like TNT, where some basketball games are held, TBS, CNN, Cartoon Network, and others. That being said, I do think that Fubo TV has a lot of momentum and will probably continue to grow very quickly, benefiting from its sports niche and an overall very quickly growing streaming market. Fubo TV's competitive advantage is that it carries some regional, international, and niche sports channels. Although, if you actually look at the main sports channels are carried by all the main competitors. So their differentiation really is in those niche international or small sports channels. Look, I do think this is a niche. There are people and families that really want that niche sports content or the international soccer stations. But at the end of the day, These are channels that YouTube, Hulu, and AT&T aren't bothering with right now because they're insignificant according to the bigger picture. They could pick up these channels in a heartbeat if they wanted to, they have more reach, they have more money, they have more scale than Fubo, and that's not changing anytime soon. But that being said, I don't really see a reason why Fubo TV can't quintuple the amount of subscribers that they have, they only have 550,000 subscribers. And I do think that they can grow to two and a half, 2.75 million subscribers in the next five years. I mean, just on YouTube alone, Uh, Personal finance YouTuber Graham Stephan has almost two and a half million himself. So I really don't see a reason why with a lot of marketing dollars uh, and the amount of sports people out there, that Fubo can't grow to bigger than Graham Stefan. Shameless plug to don't forget to smash that like button and subscribe to the channel. We have less than 50,000 subscribers here, and we're still very, very small in comparison to everybody else. One thing that I vehemently disagree with Beth on though is that Fubo TV is not Roku and not Peloton. Just like how Beth had a great call with Roku, I had that call with Peloton because they're both hardware into the home companies and then add on subscription SaaS services on top of those platforms. I don't think you really can compare Fubo to Roku or Peloton. At first, it does kind of make sense to compare them because both Fubo and Roku are both content distributors with no proprietary content of their own but that actually overlooks the fact that Roku's platform is pretty widespread, it's sticky, it's constantly used, and it isn't month to month. Once you buy a Roku device, they own that television in your home forever until possibly the Roku stick dies or you replace the television, in which case you probably aren't replacing that Roku with an Amazon Fire stick. You're probably just reusing that stick. Roku's Trojan horse into your home and into your daily life is daily usage. You're watching TV every single day. It's sticky, it's always there. You don't have to resubscribe to Roku's Trojan horse. It's always gonna be there and they can distribute their content through that. Furthermore, Roku had this first-mover advantage, and they have the biggest market share in terms of streaming devices. Fubo's Trojan horse into your home to serve you additional services is month-to-month. It's highly dependent on the sports seasons and its software, and people cancel that kind of stuff all the time. I lean much more towards Carisdale Capital's assessment that subscription revenues and the core subscription business will remain break-even until Fubo hosts their own live streaming sports and and owns those rights, then they don't really have any pricing power compared to YouTube TV or Hulu TV. And it's really, really hard for me to see a world where Fubo really gets differentiated sports content. On one hand, ESPN is owned by Disney, so they're gonna back the ESPN content through the Hulu platform and the Disney Plus platforms, which they've already bundled together. And on the other hand, they can't really get live sports rights Um, you saw that Amazon could barely really even get a couple NFL playoff games. I do think that they can improve advertising revenue and will become profitable, but I don't think it'll be absolutely game-changing. Whatever advantages they have there will be relatively comparable to Hulu's and YouTube's. On this week's news that Fubo TV is buying a sports book, I did update Fubo's price target, and I do think that that's generally more encouraging for Fubo Bulls. And Beth is a little bit more right here where I think they will eventually roll out a sports book. That being said, I kind of lean towards Kerastale Capital's assessment. I looked into other proprietary third-party research that I have access to, and they're trying to predict how big this sports betting total addressable market is. It doesn't actually look that big. Data out of currently legal states suggest that online sports betting companies are making about 26 bucks per legal adult per year, which, if you apply that to a fully legalized US, that would only imply like a 6.3 billion revenue per year total adjustable market if all the states allowed it. This video is already going long, and I have to leave some stuff for the premium Roic subscribers that support the content at a couple cents.com. So, if you want to read the in depth detail about gross margins and gross profits and my valuation and my specific price target, then definitely sign up for Roic at a couple cents.com. I don't think that either analyst is completely right. I wouldn't short this thing, especially in this type of environment where people are bidding up growth assets to oblivion. Not only that, they're growing very fast. You can't deny that. So as they keep putting up really good growth numbers, the stock can run as far as possible. Nicola, a company with no growth and no product and no revenue was worth many, many billions of dollars earlier this year. So I don't know why you would short the stock. It makes no sense to me. But on the bull case, I also don't think that Beth is completely right, that this is a Roku-like growth compounder where they're really putting hooks into households and then going to add more and more and more services. I don't think that the bull case is crazy but you really have to believe that they succeed in executing a lot of things. And even then, you have to believe that these sports betting markets and their growth continues on uh past three years and you have to really look through earnings to three four five years down the road at the end of the day there's just too much uncertainty so that i can't get enough conviction to make this a core position and it's honestly surprising to me that beth and Carisdale are making such a big stink about this one stock i don't think this is a particularly high conviction short especially in this environment and depending on how they structure the investment they could lose a lot of money as long as they keep growing at the speed that they are and making strides towards capturing the untold riches of the sports betting market, a short could get their face ripped off here. But on the other hand, I personally wouldn't be so eager to bet a lot of my reputational equity online, putting my weight behind a stock that yes, has some sketchiness in their capital raises and corporate events, has a lot of holes in the bull thesis, and one where you really just can't get a lot of conviction around if they're gonna succeed. And you also have to look far off in the future. And the valuation is very expensive on the next one, two or three years. Anyway, I hope that was helpful for you. I hope that helped you make a decision about this very buzzy stock. And I hope you follow along and are as interested in the bull bear drama as I am, because one of them will be right. And I'm curious to know what you think. Let me know in the comments below. And please don't forget to like the video and subscribe. It really helps my channel. And until next time, happy investing.